0: back and stroking to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three, there it is, yes! See it
1: again. No double team helping in the takes it right to the rack. going on, everybody? It is a new episode of the Feed to Embiid. We are in the, the midst of the, the MVP conversation towards the end of the NBA regular season. Joel Embiid, of course, is making his dash towards the top of that whole MVP debate after being a heavy underdog not too long ago. Obviously, the, the March schedule has brought him back into the picture, and now he's in the lead uh, to dissect the nature of that conversation and the underlying, you know, way that players are portrayed and whether we do a good job of having these discussions uh, as media, as viewers of the NBA, I wanted to bring in somebody who I think is very good at understanding the politics behind media and the, and, you know, the, the behind the scenes stuff of how, you know, media operate and think. So I brought in Kevin Kincaid of Crossing Broad. Kevin, how are you tonight, my friend? What's
0: up, Austin? What's going on, man? How you been?
1: Not bad. Not bad. You, you, you chose the right Sixers game. That was the last home win. So, uh, so. I know.
0: I, yeah, I finally dragged my butt down there after um like an entire year, you know, because yeah. uh, yeah. I hadn't – yeah, I just had not been down in a while. And I was like, if I do decide to show up for the playoffs, I'll never be – I can never be one of those people who just – doesn't go to any regular season games and the sh- shows up the- and
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm never going to be a playoff person. I will never be one of the playoff people.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you're, well uh, we, we do, we do miss having somebody uh, who I think has your personality on the beat. So that, so, so we wish no, you would show you. Up more, um, Kevin, we got three players here. We have Joel, obviously have Giannis. We have Jokic, um, Three different cases to make for MVP. Obviously, Jokic has fallen off quite a bit in the past, you know, two weeks. Um, I actually watched him watch both Denver games this past weekend in full when they lost to the Knicks and beat the Nets. Um, and to me, it looks like he simply does not try very hard on defense, <laughs> and that's especially the case when he knows that the game you know like w- w- when he knows that he's in there in the fourth quarter and guys are going right at him i think he kind of tries to conserve himself and just say like i'm gonna look bad regardless so i'm just not gonna try very hard um <laughs> they-, they will bring him into the action on the offensive team will and they will uh go right at him and be like you know what we're just gonna go right at him at the rim um I guess, you know, when, when, when people bring up Jokic's case, right? I mean, he has a phenomenal case, of course. You know, say what you want about him. 25, 12, and 10 on 63% shooting from the field. 39% uh, from three is out of this world. Um, on the other hand, his defense is often scrutinized. I guess, where, where, where do you land? How do you think that the defensive narrative should be portrayed in an MVP conversation? Should there even be... You know, navigating like, like should it matter if you're a two way player in an MVP discussion?
0: Let me answer your first question with a question, and I'll take it outside of basketball. Um, in any sport in the world where an MVP is a, awarded, or you know, people um, value whatever part of the game, in in what sport is defense valued more than offense?
1: None. I don't think there's any. None. Yeah.
0: Really? I mean, it's just it's a bias that Joel Embiid is going to have to face regardless, because even if you take any, it doesn't even have to be Jokic. Take take anybody and put them in there and say we are always going to be attracted to fancy passes, to point scoring and to highlight real slam dunks and things like that. And you're going to find fewer people are just going to place value or pay attention to. You know, a good uh, contest at the rim or a good closeout or good off ball defensive movement or identifying a pre switch or whatever. These are just concepts that people just do not value as much as what you see on the offensive side, you know? And uh, that's why Jokic um, has been able to slide there a little bit more and people kind of cover it, cover for that by pointing out these advanced defensive metrics, which are mostly bullshit, you know, for. For people, I I kind of agree with what Spike says in this regard. It's like if you're going to use an advanced stat, you have to at least be able to explain how it's calculated. You know, I don't think most people know how it's calculated. So, so um, that's the thing. I think it's easier to to put together numbers and and you know steer some of. Analytical narrative based on offensive contribution. Well, it's much harder to do that on the defensive side. It's just harder to collect data and parse it in, in a way that's favorable. So he's always going to have that going going against him. You know, there's just a lot that Embiid does on that side that you just really, you know, it's just hard to to qualify and quantify. You know, um, how many times does he just alter guys' shots at the at the rim or or steer them away from the rim? Uh, you know, when's the last time anybody tried to hunt Embiid yeah. or, or try to create a. <laughs> Try create a switch and go right at him like it doesn't happen you can get out on the perimeter He can slide He can guard one through five I and mean, it's not ideal to have him up against a point guard or a you know, small number two or something but uh, yeah I mean it's just I think it's more of a macro level product of the fact that like defense is just seen differently than than offense I, I was a, a defensive player in soccer my entire life to try to get anybody to care about what we did versus like what Lionel Messi was doing it was an impossible task so it's probably the, probably the same in basketball too
1: yeah, you know, it's funny. Like you make you bring up the point about Joel and his defense. Last week when they play in Cleveland, there there was one play in like the first, either the first quarter, second quarter, whatever, where Donovan Mitchell has like a lane to the basket. And mm. he's a great athlete, obviously, he, you know, has a lot of vertical pop. So he, he's thinking, I'm gonna go in there and just slam it. And Joel takes one step over and clogs up his lane as he's driving. Mitchell had to literally like turn and like I'm not doing this. I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the hell out of here. And he made a pass to the weak side corner, and that kind of junked up the whole possession because it was it, it was a would be dunk. That's all Joel just stand, just being a presence at the rim. And there's no way to quantify that.
0: No, like, there you would have to you would have to create some statistic where it's like you know um, an ultimately arbitrary, subjective kind of like shot deterrent uh, <laughs> metric or something like that. Or even just look at pure field goal numbers. Look at how many. Uh, shots that he directly faces per game. You know, if it's a very low number, then it would suggest to you that yes, people are not are just trying to avoid him in general. You know, I mean, yeah. but those are a lot like yeah. I mean, you're right about that, man. It's just hard to it's hard to like parse that kind of stuff and package it and put it into neat conversations. And that's why, like, ultimately, like you got <clears throat> you got to just be watching all of this with your eyes and. You got one team on the West Coast, you got another team on the East Coast. It's it'd be much easier for us to kind of have these discussions if we watched, you know, if if it was, um, you know, like Embiid and Giannis were the the front runners because they play each other a bunch of times a year. We've seen that matchup over the years. If Embiid was going up against like Tatum or somebody from the Celtics, and it's like okay, we can we get more of that with our eyeballs, but all we really have this year is that one head to head. Um, And I think like the MVP race is going to be decided next week when. I think the Nuggets play the Bucks and the Sixers like home yeah. in back-to-back games or whatever. So we're gonna know whether Jokic is it or whether he's not at that point. But yeah, it's just it's just there's a lot of stuff that Embiid does well that you cannot you cannot take it and like wrap it up and present it and put it into some kind of Twitter talking point. You know?
1: Yeah, which I, I you know, like, but we'll, we'll make every guy's case. But I think the Twitter talking points about Jokic are also a really good you know segue to you know what we talk about because everyone says like. You know, Jokic is. There was like one time when, when before the second ESPN poll came out, uh, that we were talking in the media room, and, and we were like, you know, I, I was, I got, I made the point. I was like, you know, I, I was watching Jokic, and he's obviously a very good player, and you know, and then someone made the point like he's shooting sixty three percent from the field, he takes fifteen shots a game, that's comparable to many, you know, high level role players. So. I, I I think you can make a case that he does not often put himself in a position on offense to be compromised and therefore, uh, you know, does not have to, you know, doesn't often look bad in that regard. Like he doesn't take a ton of threes, takes two threes a game. You know, he, a lot of his work is I'm going to seal you off in the post real quickly and then I'm going to turn around and score over my shoulder. Um, it's, you know, mid-range jumpers that are, you know, relatively low contest on the move. I think what it comes down to with him is he is sort of this cheat code, if you will, of regular season basketball. He's a phenomenal passer, right? And, you know, he he gets to a lot of rebounds, scores 25 a game on high efficiency, but he also relies on his teammates to finish off plays and possessions with made shots. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're – I think – what we might not have seen yet because his teammates have been injured. And Jamal Murray missed time uh, with a torn ACL. And he's, you know, so that was kind of like the last two playoff effects for them were excused, but there's going to be a time when they need their superstar to step up and make big shots. Because at the end of the day, the ball is in the superstar's hands. And those are the guys that you want taking the big shots in the playoffs. Joel, we know can do that. Mm -hmm. Giannis is a brute force. Jokic, I, I'm not 100 percent sure that I believe that this guy is going to go on a, a fourth quarter scoring run by himself, uh, in a way that you would ne- you would think an MVP should to lift his team above in a pivotal playoff game.
0: Yeah, and you know it takes you all the way back to the very beginning, really, which is whenever we have this conversation about MVP, everybody has to uh, have everybody has to first define what value means to them, you know, because, because value is a very nebulous concept and it can have different meanings to different people. I mean, the, the problem with, with all these things, Austin is that like, you can take anything. You can take baseball MVP. You can take the rock and roll hall of fame. You can take, um, this award, right. And everybody who's involved in voting for it may have a completely different set of criteria, Yeah, that they're that they're going by, you know, Um, I remember when Jim Salisbury got ripped about a year ago because he came out and in the NL MVP voting, he voted for Bryce Harper first. but He had like Juan Soto seventh.
1: Yeah. And his
0: reasoning for that was, well, you know, I think you should be um, your team should have to be in the playoffs or in like the wildcard hunt to even be under consideration, which was bullshit, by the way, in my personal opinion, because by that logic, he wouldn't have voted for Otani to be MVP, even though he was a unanim- unanimous winner that year, right? Yeah. So, again, it, it's, it's, it's weird because there's this, this subjective nature to it of, of what is value and what do you determine to, to be value. I think, to your point, most of us would be in agreement that an MVP is the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands at the end of the game, who's going to have good clutch stats, clutch numbers, is going to be taking the final shot, is going to be able to create it for himself, and is going to be a high-usage kind of player. I mean, Joel Embiid is a top three usage guy in the in the entire league, and then the, the counter argument is people say, well, you know, Jokic involves his teammates, or okay, but he's but he's not like a put the ball in my hands. I'm gonna like propel us to to victory at the end at the end here on the final shot, and I, I think those are a lot of impressionable kind of moments. I mean, you look at like the dagger that Embiid hit over Jokic in a head to head. You look at the turnaround that he hit at the nail, you know, a week ago. And then you look at Jokic trying to shoot the same thing, and you look at how those are juxtaposed on social media and how people respond to that, you know. So I think that's important what you talk about is late game, important moments. Am I going to rise to the occasion? Am I going to put the team on my shoulders? I think when you look at the arbitrary nature of defining value, I think a lot of people would probably drift towards something like that.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, this is all, I think, a a very – like, like another way of saying, like, are we – do do we define MVP the right way? What is our definition of MVP? What are the what are the criteria that we are putting in place? And, you know, the NBA is having this whole discussion about do we make a, a game threshold that you have to meet? We basically do that anyway because guys that play a certain number of games are in a conversation. Guys that are playing less than that number of games never win it. So we already mm-hmm. kind of have that in place even if we're not – acknowledging it as an official criteria um but you know i I do think like you know the 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 way that he plays and i'm curious where you know where you sit on this you know we we see that there is a very you know heavy white representation in 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 the media of course and Mm -hmm. there's a very you know and that also means that you're inherently going to have proportional you know favoring white white media members in the MVP vote. I do wonder, and I, I I don't know how much it is. I don't know that we have a way to quantify this, but I do wonder when the likes of a Zach Lowe, the likes of a, you know, of, of a Brian Windhorst or this person or that person, whatever, when they're watching Jokic play and you see this, you know, the, 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 the seven foot white guy who is a phenomenal passer, like all road passer, you know, scoring is obviously natural enough that he can average 25 a game, but it's not, you know, his primary instinct is to pass the ball first and get his teammates involved. I do wonder how much of their adoration for him is like, this guy plays the game the way that I was taught to play the game. And this guy plays, you know, but you know, this guy plays quote unquote, a pure brand. I've seen Denver media say, this guy you know jokic plays a pure brand of basketball which to me is has racial undertones if you ask me mm-hmm. um, but i do wonder how much of of that is some bias in that like this guy the way that this guy plays i identify with I identify with it because that's the way i would play if i played you know rec league with my friends or whatever or this is the way I, I was taught growing up and that inherently makes them more likely to vote for jokic even if it objectively you know, maybe wrong, maybe not. Maybe not be wrong.
0: Well, I mean, the question would be, what err? What are Embiid and Giannis doing? That's that's impure. You know, drawing fouls, yeah. hunting fouls. I guess maybe yeah. you could make that argument if you wanted to. But that's just the way that the game is called now. And being able to get yourself to the foul line and hit at the foul line is a skill in and of itself. I always found that all to be bullshit because there's no right or wrong way to to play the game if it's being played within the the rules and the parameters that are set forth you know what i mean <laughs> i can't give yeah. you like i'll give you another uh um i'll give you another soccer example here because i can't think of one in, in in another sport off the top of my head but like everybody loved barcelona because they keep the ball on the ground it would pass, pass 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 and be beautiful and they just hold on to the ball and it would be like oh this is how it's supposed to be played Right. Okay. Well, I mean, you could be a team that's got a bunch of six foot four meatheads and then you boot the ball forward 70 yards and you plow over some guy and you get your head on it and score. And to me, there's beauty and physicality yeah, and, and directness. And like, so you're telling me this is the right way or the wrong way to play the game. I, I don't. And that, that trends into the idea where the one thing that I think is BS with Jokic is when people say, well, he averages a triple double. Okay. Well, how much value is there in a triple double? Because if you you could have a Ben Simmons triple-double and you could have 10-10-10, right? So you could make five shots, you could grab 10 rebounds and throw 10 assists. Um, Embiid could have 31 points and seven rebounds. I've always looked at, and here's what everybody's got to decide on their own. How much value does a rebound have against an assist against a single point? Like if you look at each one of those things in a vacuum and you say that one point, one rebound, one assist is worth one unit of contribution... Than having 31 points and um, three rebounds and one assist is ultimately contributing more points to that formula than a 10-10-10 line or an 11-11-10 line. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I think there's more value in a guy scoring friggin' 40 points than there is like throwing ten passes to, to teammates, especially when we look at the way that assists are calculated, where now guys yeah. are taking like three three dribbles or yeah. you know uncont- uncontested rebounds too. Where Ben Simmons used to get these triple doubles, where he'd just be standing there, where nobody was attacking the glass because he would be the designated guy to grab the rebound and go up and transition. You know yeah. I mean? So a lot of that is BS. Points are always going to be hard to come by. There's yeah. no way you can there's no way you can BS your way through the stats with points. I mean, you got points have to be earned, right? Whereas rebounds can kind of fall to you. There's a luck aspect there. Um, those can be parsed separately between the offensive glass and the defensive glass. But to bring it all the way back to the white white dude versus black dude thing. It's funny to me because these dudes aren't American. Jokic yeah. is Serbian. Joel is from Cameroon. I remember being at a media a scrum a couple of years ago where some doofus asked Joel. I was standing right there and she goes, Joel, what's your message to everybody on election day? and he said i don't know i'm not american yeah. <laughs> it's like i'm from cameroon i don't know what the hell to tell you, you know? so, and this this is before he became an american citizen cuz i think yeah. he got his citizenship the year after or whatever so yeah. i'm sure he probably has thoughts on it now but the because the, the the trope man it's like that the racist thing is like the the you know the pure blood like white you know american like white guy you know versus like the black guy from the hood Right. And this is this is not that it's just, it's these guys aren't even from this continent. Yeah. Right. So it's funny to me to hear you say that Denver media is talking about playing the game, quote unquote, the right way. I and mean, this dude's from Serbia. Yeah, right? right. So, it's, so it's, it's not even some like American half baked, you know, like black versus white, you know, kind of thing. But if there's bias there, it's hard for me to I'm not going to sit here and say that like one person is or isn't biased or the media thinks. Yeah. I know that I know that they're very white. The media is very white. Um, but I think we've come a long way in that regard. And I, I would hope that nobody is, is, is voting that way. Um, you know, it's just something that's kind of impossible
1: to to quantify it and, and, and you're not, and, you know, not put somebody on the spot, you know, and like, you know, it's tough to do. I will say that like when people say like. You know, like what kind of examples of you know advantage has Jokic had for you know being a being a white guy? You know, and, and there are conversations along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, well, number one, like you see, like the violent incidents he's had, like where he mm-hmm. trucks he trucks Markeith Morris, uh, and everyone, yeah. you know, and, and people were like, oh, well, everyone hates Markeith Morris. Half of the time he got he punched a guy in the face in the playoffs and out <laughs> of the game. If if Joel did that, or if anyone who was who was not Jokic did that, there would probably be a, a much different reception to that in, in terms of how mm. it's portrayed in the media. Um, I also think that like, and this isn't something that Jokic can help, but when he, w- when, when he gets cut, he has, you'll see massive cuts on his arm. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's so, like, he can't help that of course, but that is something that it'll portrays him as, as this, as this, you know, beacon of toughness. Right. Because you yeah, can I see all it. these, all these marks on him that, doesn't necessarily show up so easily when, you know, when, when, when you're not a, a white guy like him. So yeah, I, he's,
0: he's do, he is doughy, I think is the word you're probably looking for. He's got a little, yeah. he, he's not exactly like, you know, pure, pure muscle. over That's Those are interesting points that you brought up. I, I usually like dance around the race stuff. Cause like, I'm just some white kid from Boyertown. I mean, what do I really know about, you know, race relations and all that stuff, but yeah. you're, you're right. I mean, the way that those incidents were received was very, kind of brush brush it aside I guess whereas I think Embiid faces a lot of Embiid faces an uphill battle to begin with because a lot of people didn't like the process and they thought the process is bullshit you know and it's almost like he's got to like go above and beyond to prove like he, he doesn't have to just prove like his own self-worth to everybody he has to like prove the word like he he's like the the um Poster boy for the entire tank and, and movement, or something like whether it's you know successful or not, right? I mean, this guy's got so much on his shoulders. I don't think Daryl Morey, you know, ripping the Boston media helps Embiid, yeah, um, at all. I think they look at that. I think the media is very thin skinned. Um, I think they're very impressionable. I'm not going to say that like media is outright biased because I don't think they are. I don't think they start out. I don't think we start out being biased, but I think we're very impressionable. Um you know, so I think when you have instances like that, look, I mean, when you get Zach Lowe to call you a juvenile, then you know, I mean, he's like the most even killed person on the planet. So if you're yeah. you're getting under his skin, then that tells you something. But uh, I just think Embiid has had more facing him because of the nature of the the process. You know what it means, and and him being the beacon of the team. And you know, Jokic is just kind of minding his own business out in Denver. You know, in a in a market that that people really aren't paying huge attention to. You know, and and. He didn't have the whole Ben Simmons fiasco either, drawing attention to yeah. to to Denver either, which is funny too because people people always said that thing last year. It's like, well, you know, Embiid's playing without Simmons. I'm like, dude, Jokic is playing without Jamal Murray, and they only got like eight like eight games or something of like Michael Porter Jr. You know, yeah. so like you can't you can't use the Simmons thing. That's not a good argument, you know. Um,
1: yeah. So, and, and I mean, I think we, with that, uh, there is like something where. Yes, you don't have the same. Like, like technically, these guys are not available for you on the court. That is accurate. You're 100 correct. It's also something to be said about how this guy is like actively, like not there. Like, he is not helping your locker room and there to help morale in a way mm-hmm. that, that 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 Murray and and Porter Junior are. But that's besides the well, point. Well,
0: that's true. They were they were absent under different circumstances, yeah. right? So it wasn't creating this like malaise that was hanging yeah. over top of you. Yeah.
1: Um. But you know, like, and and I do think, like, you know, we can say that Jokic, you know, Jokic winning the head-to-head last season in Philly that last game, uh, it swung the vote, and I think, you know, I I think Joel believes that, um, but I, I do think that there's also this way that people don't like Joel's brute force the way that he, you know, he'll go to the basket and, you know, he'll truck guys up. Last night, Kobe White goes down because Joel's trying to score on a fast break. And, you know, I think there's a little bit more fluidity and less physicality, I would say in, mm-hmm. you know, in traffic with, with Jokic. But where do you come down on, 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 the free throw argument, where people are like, Oh, M free throw merchant. And, you know, M flop. And, you know, people on Twitter like that, who discount the value that free throws are. And I mean, I get it. It's not like a natural, it's not, it's not a challenging way of scoring, but at the same time you do have within your right to take advantage of the rules as you can.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I have no issue with free throws if he gets there, um, you know, bulldozing his way and just being unguardable. Um, But I think optics, the optics, kill him when it looks like he's ripping through and seeking contact or flopping or embellishing. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know if Joel's a flopper. I don't think he's a flopper. I think there's some selling of it, selling of the contact for sure where it was probably going to be a foul anyway, but he makes it look like it it, it, a little, you know, flamboyant, I guess for, for lack of a better word, but that's the rule set that we're all operating under, you know? Um, And you know, when they change the rule, uh last year you know it was always going to hurt guys like trey young more than joel because it wasn't it was more like perimeter guys and and how they were going to be officiated versus like how joel was going to be officiated you know so i know people look at that and they say well he just gets the foul line he does this if you watch joel's game man it's it's much more than just getting to the foul line that is like for as many free throws as he shoots that's not like the major part of his game i mean he's a he's killer from the elbow i mean he shoots three pointers now i mean he's before the the hardest thing was like how do you close through a center cuz you got to throw an entry pass to him now you don't have to throw an entry pass to am just giving the friggin ball on the perimeter yeah. i don't for people who didn't watch the sixers over the years like they don't realize that progression that he's shown in his offensive game you know So but i don't think jokic i think jokic's defense i think last year people overblue how overblue they over oh, whatever they over made too much of a big deal about how bad Jokic's defense was. It wasn't as bad as people thought it was, but I, Joel's offense was not um, as bad as well as people thought it was. I think people like were, were off the plot on both of those and kind of misjudge both of those.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Now I do think that it's interesting that like as much as we talk about Jokic and you know comparing him to Joel, Giannis, I would uh, at this point I would say should probably be. Ahead of Jokic in the MVP discussion because mm-hmm. the Sixers have a better record than Denver, and you know the Bucs have a better record than the Sixers. Giannis, of course, thirty-one points, twelve rebounds, six assists a game, um, effective field goal of fifty-six and a half, which is still in- pretty impressive considering he's below thirty percent from three. His jumper has the mid-range was never great, but it has taken a step back this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, where 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 do you place? Him amongst Joel and Jokic.
0: If you had to ask me right now, I would go Embiid. Um, I, I would make him be the winner. I would have Giannis as like a two A, and then I'd have Jokic as a two B, because yeah. I just don't think there's enough to separate these. You could even just go one A, one B, one C. I don't think there's enough to separate these dudes and say it's like a clear one, two, three. And like, honest to God, I thought that um, what Doc said the other night was was actually very um good erudite yeah you know he just like he said we why do we always have to have these discussions and put down other guys you know i know it's like goofy twitter shit that we do and we love you know we, we're we having fun on crossing broad and whenever talking about like a doughy serbian doofus or whatever you know but like when, like i watch the games like i know he's amazing you know it's it's just um i think it's 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 and um I mean, a mature thing to be able to elevate one guy while also giving credit where credit's due, you know. And um, yeah. you could you could be like that dude in the Bible. Honestly, you could like cut the trophy in half and give it to both of them or give it cut it in three and give it to all three of them. And really they're they're all quality, you know, which is crazy to me that it's three big dudes. Yeah. You know, we talk about how much of a the perimeter game that the NBA is, which just shows how how unicorn like these dudes are. I mean, how many people live on the planet earth now, like 7 billion or something like that. And there's three, like these are the the best three dudes on the planet at this, you know, which it's like trying to splitting hairs, trying to talk about which one's better than the other one. You know, it's just, it's so subjective, but Giannis is Giannis, man. I mean, he's, you could, you could give him the MVP every year, you know I mean? He's got his team in first place. I don't think, I will say that. I think it's like the Western conference just is, is, I think strength of schedules is undervalued too, you know, because you look at how many times the Sixers played the Bucs, have played the Celtics, and then vice versa. And and I just can't I know the Nuggets are in first place in the West right now, but they got pretty much the same record as the Sixers. And like honest to God, man, if you if you gave me Nuggets versus Sixers on a neutral court, what's halfway between Denver and Philly? Like Kansas City? Let's play seven games in Kansas City. I think on a neutral court, I think the Sixers win that series four to three. Yeah, um, that's just what I see happening. So it's kind of a misnomer to look at it and say, "Well, one team's in first place, another team's in second place or third place." That's, that's bullshit, you know, because in in a vacuum, like Denver's division is not that good, you know, and um, that's got to play a role. Too. I mean, strength of schedule is so important in every other sport. Like, why do we not look at it in the NBA and think that it's it's meaningful? You know, especially when we're we're having tough discussions like this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is like you you. Play everybody in the NBA. So one way or another, it's all like there's mm-hmm. a, a thousand ways to get to eighty-two, but you're still playing everybody. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I do think that it is interesting though. Like, Giannis and Jokic are regarded so much higher as international stars mm-hmm. than Embiid is, and I guess part of it is like the market marketability of Giannis compared to, you know, Joel. Joel's pretty reserved off the court, and you know he mm-hmm. he'll tell you like he goes right home. Uh, you know, and uh, he he lo- he's a re- very low profile, whereas Giannis is in commercials and he's cracking jokes to the media, and you know he's having a good time. And Jokic is yeah. fairly low profile himself too. But there there is definitely a, a way that Joel is portrayed relative to how uh, you know Giannis is portrayed. You know, like they've made documentaries about Giannis's story story growing up, and that isn't to say that he doesn't have a great story of you know. You know, coming up in another country and having nothing and working his way as this unknown prospect and becoming what he is now. That's a, that's a great story. But also, Joel, as, as we know, as local media has a story of his own that is, that, that you know, they don't, that, that nationally is not talked about or covered in a way that Giannis is.
0: Yeah, it's interesting too. Giannis is known for that and he gets a lot of publicity for that. Embiid is just known as being like the face of the process. Yeah, more than anything, like that's his story, right? Oh, the process, you know. Yeah, he's like the he's like the the main guy for that. It's like, well, he's got this like incredible backstory too. I don't know if it just resonates more with people because like those two dudes are from those other two dudes are from Europe, and that's the funniest thing too. Giannis is not even American. you know I mean, like the three MVP guys are bigs who are foreign. Like, I mean, like what NBA are we watching these days? It's crazy, man, You know. <laughs> But um, I don't know. Basketball is huge in Greece and basketball is huge in Serbia. And like Joel's from Cameroon.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's, so it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that hurts the international thing, too. I, I think if if Jokic was American, Giannis was American and Embiid was, you know, like the lone foreign representative of this like triumvirate or whatever, maybe he would get more of the like macro level, Hey, he's the foreign guy here. We're going to support him kind of thing. You know what I mean? that's it. There's more catch-all stuff over there too. Like a lot of African, like North African sports fans support like European stuff, you know? So I think it would, might go both ways in that, in that sense. But, uh, you know, I know that Joel had the connection, um, to France, I I believe through his dad, if I have that correct, you know? So there's a little bit of something there, but, um, yeah, it's interesting i it makes you wonder why these what what stories are being told and why they're i will say this about the media um uh, i think the media a lot of these people are different from sorry somebody just stole a base on jt on muta i'd never see that um <laughs> it's distracting as shit watching this on the nah, screen nah, no, they're, gonna, they're gonna yeah. lose to japan um what was I saying of the media? Yeah. Um, a lot of these like old school guys, especially the older media members love are like storytellers. They love stories. You yeah. know, they love like impressionable moments. Where were you at Connie Mack stadium in 1957 when Johnny two fingers threw the four seam fastball or whatever, you know, our generation doesn't really care about that so much. I mean, there's some people who like that, that stuff, but what, what matters for the media and what's going to matter most for Joel going forward is, Head-to-head, national television, he's got to have another big game against Jokic. Um, and, you know, just continue to play it well down the stretch and put these impressionable, like, sports center, like, kind of lines together and, and like, impress that into people's minds because those are always going to go. That's going to sit in the forefront of a media member voter's mind more so than any Raptor or other bullshit, right? I mean, yeah. like, like, hey, i watched him, like, hit a dagger over this dude. Right. Like that's the stuff that resonates here you because know, they love moments. They love stories uh, and they love to be able to tell those stories. And that's, that's, what's going to push him over the top if he gets there.
1: It, it's funny. We talk about like media bias because I often like myself, I wonder like how much of it is, you know, am, am I being objective enough about this or is it that I, I'm sort of like a victim of my own circumstance in a way that, I see this guy every night, I'm there, I'm talking to him every night, you know, I I have more of a personal interaction with him than I do Giannis or Jokic on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, I, I like him as a person, and I think, and I, I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels that way, so I do wonder, like, how much of it is, like, I know media is supposed to have bias, but sometimes you just can't help but
0: have bias. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, whether you want to or not, if you just watch more games of one guy, you're going to have a better understanding of him than, than the other guy. And that's why I think that local media members should recuse themselves. If they know that one of their guys is going to be in the top, you know, pick a number three or five or or whatever, you know? So, um, Yeah, I mean, certainly it's just, it just goes. The way. I mean, look, I mean, going back to the Jim Salisbury thing, he's like the most like revered, respected, professional dude on the planet, and he was getting killed for that Juan Soto thing, you know, um, because it gave off the impression, whether it was true or not, that he was just favoring the local guy, you know? Yeah. Because uh, not only by voting Bryce first, that helped Bryce, but voting Soto seventh hurt Soto, you know, and gave yeah. him fewer points overall, so – yeah, I mean, it just comes out that way. I don't think it's in, intentional. I don't want to talk about unconscious bias because it feels like I should be doing a, a class somewhere, like a DEI class somewhere. <laughs> but um, it's true. It does come out that way just, just for the fact that, like, you've seen this dude so much, you know a person's game. And you tend to, like, gravitate towards that because you can just explain things that other people can't explain. You know, you've watched this guy's evolution over X amount of years or you know him, right? You know, So you f- might feel sympathetic to the guy or whatever. And, and you're not consciously saying, like, Oh, yeah, I'm going to vote for him because of that. But it's just like, oh, it just kind of floated to the top, you know? So, yeah, there's nothing to it. I just, but they got to look at all the voters, like in general, too. I mean, like the ringer has like how many people voting? I
1: think that's a big problem. Yeah. Big, and
0: like 10, ten cent has multiple people voting. And it's like, I think they'll just give a friggin' vote. It's like, it's worse than like the Twitter blue check marks. They'll give anybody a friggin' check mark. Well, now you can just pay for one, right? You know? So it's like, yeah. who, who is the respected voting? media like you you can't go to like fifty Ray Diddingers anymore. Like there are not fifty Ray Diddingers. There are not fifty whoever the Ray Diddinger of basketball is. Like that guy doesn't there there aren't enough of those people. So you go to like Bill Simmons. Yeah. You know, and, and you cross and, your fingers and you just hope that they're they do a fair job with it.
1: Yeah, I mean I do think that they're I mean I think Daryl has a point in pointing at quote unquote the shameless Boston media. And you know they got all riled up when he said that. I know Chris Mannix of, of Sports Illustrated had a big diatribe on one of their shows after he said that about you know the the, the shameless Boston media. But I do think there is a very big problem with the Ringer having six votes, and I is get it. it.
0: Is it six? Is that I, what the number? I,
1: I did like a whole column on the All Star, and I counted. Yeah. They, I counted they had six votes. I will say at least like two or three of their voters voted for Embiid, I believe, to mm-hmm. be a starter in the All Star game. So in that sense, they I think they did the right thing, Um, but I think what it comes down to is like, will they have Jason Tatum on their ballots Hmm. and and how high and will they have him in place of a Joel? Will they have him in place of a of a Giannis or a Jokic? Um, And I mean, like Bill Simmons has said things on his podcasts that are like very problematic in terms of the integrity of having a voice in the national media.
0: Yeah, well that's the problem too is that it all bleeds together now. I mean, blogs and you know, the athletic and newspapers and whatever. It's all just one jumbo mumble jumbo of uh you know, opinions and editorializing and crossing over the threshold. So it's definitely new media is infused in that somehow. You know, I mean that that should always be seen as like an honor, really, to have that to yeah. have a vote and, and be able to play a role in something like that. And I I was never a voter for any anything even mls back in the day like because i was um you know at a bunch of different outlets i was just a philly guy wasn't a national guy but if i ever was that i would take that very very seriously because like you know being around the guys in the locker room and knowing how much it means to them just like the uh sanctity of the game like that's a duty that you should um you know you should you should feel honored to be included in something like that And i feel like some of these people just like throw shit at the wall and like oh yeah i gotta do this you know yeah it shouldn't be treated as that should be treated as like oh this is a real deal this is like a big thing i've been entrusted with you know and should try to take it seriously and put a lot of time and effort into it but you know
1: yeah i mean i i get that in the grand scheme of like the goal of sports mvp should take a back seat to winning titles and you know and like so in in that sense it isn't as important as the biggest goal but you know like there was a there was a guy on twitter during the all-star voting process where he was saying like yeah coaches will just like like throw shit at the wall for their assistant coaches and that they if they can all come to an agreement they'll be like all right yeah. this is what we'll vote for oh, no and and like the
0: ap like the coaches poll in college yeah. football like you know you think you think nick saban watched 30 other teams play no the, 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 no i mean so it's it's you know they hand that off to like a graduate assistant or something and it's like here you come up with this you know so it's it's they got to figure out a process that's that works for that and try to make it fair and 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 balanced and and get people to to take it seriously and um you know it's just hard man it's 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 hard to do a good job with that stuff too even when i was like deep in mls back in the day like man i didn't watch 30 games of Real salt lake so i I can't tell you like how good they were they weren't you know it's it's a a tough task man like i what i would do is it probably shrink the voting pool you know, and just try to like make it a little more trust trustworthy, and you know that would be a first step.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that people realize, like, you know, if you're not doing it, if you're not putting the time in for yourself, do it for this. The, you know, the integrity of not only the league you're covering, but also you know the players themselves. Because I know Joel says that he doesn't care about it. I know Jokic says he doesn't care about it. I know. Mm-hmm. He you know, Giannis says what he says. Joel, as soon as he felt like he was back in the hunt for MVP, mm-hmm. his defense hit another level. His rim protection became unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. His the effort has risen pretty dramatically. Um, Gian- Giannis is, is, you know, he's put had the the, the recent back to back where he was ridiculous—forty-four points and or forty whatever points and thirty points. You know, I, the guys say they don't care; they absolutely care. And I think some of them will admit it off the record. Others won't, but yeah. the, you, you don't, put, you don't become as good as you are. You don't, you're not the competitor you are unless you care. And, you know, I think you have to risk, re- you have for the sake of the respect for the players, but also the sake of, you know, having pride that the league that you are covering respects you enough to give you a vote in that is important.
0: Yeah. And I think, like, you know, if we all look back at this in 20 years and, you know, Giannis got his two, Jokic got his two, if Embiid wins this one, I think we would look back at it and just say, you know, all is right with the world. And, like, through this era, all three of those guys probably deserved an MVP at some point. Um, You know, and I don't, that's not me vouching for the sympathy vote or the whatever we're calling it now. Um, but i wouldn't have a problem with that if if it was just if you look at this not just in like a year by year kind of thing but if you say that like look these guys have been like neck and neck for three straight years and in the the cluster of like three to five years at a time player x and player y probably should have both got one you know and i don't think anybody would have any problem with that at the end of the day you know um but i don't know again that's that's up to each individual voter to see whether they whether they uh, believe that or whether they don't believe that.
1: Yeah. Now, going over to Joel's case, 33 and 33.6 points, 10.3 rebounds, uh 4 assists, He's shooting 55% from the field. He's been just incredible. Like it's 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 every night you you're more blown away by what you see from him. Um and, and i remember last year you were saying like, you know, it's 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 like a, it's a pleasure watching him i forget what the what the, the, the term you said that it was it was like you know a, a gift to be able to watch him it really is yeah. it unbelievable what what he does on a night basis and i mean you could say that for all three of these guys like on a night basis they're incredible i think the difference is that with joel it's the combination of this dude is absolutely killer from the elbows he mm-hmm. has a variety of moves to get to his jumper from anywhere on the court. He's also an elite rim protector. And he's also part of the maybe the most efficient offense in the league right now. Um, and, you know, to your point about triple doubles, I think it's much easier. I think the the concept of a triple double is more valuable than, hey, this guy has the ball in his hands all the time. He's the highest he usage player on his team by a country mile. He also puts up 10-10-10 that isn't that inherently is likely to happen because you're touching the ball so often mm-hmm. and you know with joel he's off, he's authoring you know, everyone says jokic is you know, the nuggets have the best offense uh joel is, and the sixers are right there like and granted a lot of that is hard and hard and has absolutely made his life a world world's easier um but joel has put this team on his back night in and night out and carried them to important wins. Like the Denver game was a huge one. Mm-hmm. He almost willed them to the Boston win by himself in Philly a couple weeks, a couple weeks, weekends ago. Um, he wasn't the best player for the Sixers in that Milwaukee game. And that, that does get blown under the radar that he simply was not the best player on the court that night. Harden was, but he still hit the dagger at the end. Um, he wins you the Portland game. Every single night he is doing it on m- – not as high efficiency as Jokic, but he's doing it on f- five more shots a game. And, you know, I think you could make a case that, like, the turnover thing that Jok- that, that, that Joel the, – the, the turnover problems that he has faced for years haven't gotten much better. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that hurts him from time to time and maybe deserves a footnote in this whole conversation about – You know, is, you know, whether or not he is the MVP. And granted, I would, you're not going to decide a conversation of that magnitude on turnovers, but that is something that, you know, he has struggled with and he hasn't gotten all the way better at. But I I do think that people don't put enough weight into the fact that this guy is literally unguardable, no matter what, no, no matter who you put in front of them. Double team, triple team, you shade a guy baseline, shade a guy towards the help side, you, Play play on single coverage. He's figuring out a way to do it every single night.
0: Yeah, and I just, I, I would just say this: like, I think the one of the problems with the NBA now is that people just love to, you know, they love to talk on Twitter. They love trade deadline. They love free agency and all that stuff. And just blah 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 blah. Nobody gives a shit about the actual games, yeah. about the basketball itself, and like just as somebody who grew up playing the sport, like you got to sit there and just watch these dudes and appreciate what these dudes are doing, yeah. you know, like what, or, or else, what are we doing? Like, what, what are we as fans? We're just like rummaging through numbers. We're just putting spreadsheets. Together. Just watch the games, enjoy what these dudes do. And like appreciate the high level the the insanely high level that the sport is right now. I don't know if your listeners you or you are college basketball fans. I have, Insane trouble Watching college basketball Terrible And I used to be One of those people Who was like I can't watch the NBA There's no defense In the NBA And then I started Covering the NBA And I'm like Holy crap I cannot watch Bob Huggins team again You know Because And and guys like Embiid Guys like Jokic Who keep pushing the limits And taking this Higher and higher To to, You know Places where it's Never been before Kind of like Creed You know Yeah Um, I mean You gotta be able To uh, appreciate that If you're a, a Basketball person in general you know you don't even have to know ball right is the thing the kids are saying now you you know ball right you don't even have to really know ball to appreciate what you're watching in front of you and so i just think all this just ends up being a big distraction for a lot of that and
1: you know yeah and i mean you know i've kyle newbeck made this point on his podcast and you know in person when when you when you see sixers fans saying like you know and B's a bum and he's never going to get out of the second round. And, you know, they are going to win with him. And we see people online who were like, you know, who, who are the first person under posts to be like, you suck and you're a loser and you're, a mer-, you know, a flop merchant and this and that. First of all, it's like 12 year olds are talking about on Twitter who has nothing better to do. Like, yeah,
0: It's all toxic crap. You know, what I mean? yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it's toxicity is the right word for it, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. but you you do wonder and he and comment at this point, like, do you? How many people actually enjoy, whether it's Sixers fans watching the Sixers and watching Joel or NBA fans at large, enjoy watching the sport? How many sports fans enjoy watching the sport? You know, we we can turn that into, you know, guys – Watching Bryce Harper and the Phillies, or watching May Machado and the Padres, or watching Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, or you know, watching <laughs> the, Ravens, or, or, or know, watching,
0: got- the eight, watching the eight and one Philadelphia Eagles without having to fire the defensive coordinator. Yeah, know?
1: exactly right. Yeah, six one zero six three two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, I do think that there is this lost with it with, with with the popularity of phones and not you know and 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 the social media and instant reaction and the 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 desire to be right about all things in sports all the time yeah
0: yeah it always is i mean it's terrible it's a terrible it's the worst time ever to be a sports fan i, I said this on crossing broadcast the other day with pagan um with kyle pagan and um i you know there's a delay when you watch on um, streaming or youtube tv or whatever and we cut the cord a couple months ago right um yeah. And you know it had this inadvertent effect where I no longer—I didn't want to go on Twitter. I didn't want to be on social media while the game was going on because I didn't want spoilers. Because I knew the people were ahead, right? I didn't want like holy shit, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, whatever, right? Yeah. So I turned off Twitter and I kept watching the game. I was like, hey, "This is great, man! I should have been doing this the whole time. Yeah. Just watch watching the game, being an old school fan." and not being glued to my stupid phone. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I would sit there with my dad and we would watch the Legion of doom and we would watch Allen Iverson and we would watch, um, Donovan McNabb and all these dudes and everybody's just watching the game. And you were there with your uncles or whatever, and you were having a good time and nobody was like, you know, looking down the whole time. And it just, you know, it's just created this culture where it's like, these aren't even real fans. These are just, you know, people who are, are, you know, posturing on, on social media. And, um, you know, unfortunately a lot of that is kind of seeped into the media now a little bit but I don't know we'll see what the we'll see what the voters do when the time comes
1: I also think that there's like this issue of you have a take on the internet and people give you flack for it and backlash and you get so tired of hearing about how you were wrong about this take over and over again that you so badly want the player or the team that you that was about to fail because that mm-hmm. validates what you were saying and that and then you lose your ability to be like, just live in the moment and be like, I'm watching a, a great performance. I'm watching a great game between, between.
0: yeah. yeah. That's between all it should be. It's just, it's a bunch of disingenuous crap that's floating yeah. around there. You know, it's like, uh, it's like kind of why our brand is our brand because we just, you know, want to have fun with it. We try to like think the way the fans think, you know what I mean? So that's yeah. always kind of been the thing. And like, I, you know, to that point, I just, I never, because everybody watches the Sixers and they're like, well, the second round, the second round, they got to win a title or the, the boomers get all annoyed about the process or whatever. I'm like, look, you can feel however you want to feel about that. But like, you still got to be able to watch Joel and beat and appreciate this. Cause like they, we haven't had a Sixers player do anything like what he's doing um, in, in years, you know, in forever. So, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I'll let you go. Uh, one, but you want to bring it back to one more point. You said that you had Joel one a, and you know, everyone else, one B one C or two, a two B. I guess, how did you arrive that Joel was your choice for MVP?
0: Just because I think I've watched his game um, progress so much over the years that you can't say that his offensive – I mean, his offensive game is is insane now. And I always thought his defensive game was MVP worthy. But I think whatever doubts people had about his offensive game, those have been – are long gone. And I've always valued – his defensive game at, at eye level, you know, with the eye test and like people can say whatever they want to say about Jokic and defensive metrics and stuff like that. But when I watch both of those guys play, I just see a more impactful player in Embiid, especially around the rim and just altering shots and, you know, making guys think differently. And um, I just feel like he's the best two way player in the league right now. I feel like his offense is as good as Jokic's offense in a different way. I think his defense is slightly better and Jokic's so he's he's got him beat just barely in my mind
1: Kevin Kincaid your work is incredible for crossing broad you produce a thousand articles per day it's incredible to watch <laughs> um, anything you wanted to plug before I let you go
0: Nah, man uh, we got crossing broadcast uh, me and Kyle Pagan Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon on YouTube I have a union podcast I do it's always soccer in Philadelphia and uh onward and upward you know I appreciate everybody for for reading the site and and showing us some support
1: all right, my friend. Have a good night. Peace, brother.
0: stepping back and stroking to Bogdanovich, thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again.
1: No double team help, and he takes it right to the rack. And P step back,